Cats and kittens, how's it going? Um, I'm Wyatt. I'm Addie. I'm McKenna. I'm Will. And today we're going to be doing a roundtable about the uh, new Netflix documentary uh, original series called Tiger King. We want to give you at least somewhat of an overview, but this roundtable will have some spoilers in it. And there's so much that occurs during the this uh, sort of drawn out story that I can't include all of it. We can't even include all of it um, in this introduction. But essentially what occurs is uh, there's a man named Joe Exotic, who uh, is the um, owner or former owner, I should say, of the uh, Greater Winniewood um, Animal Park, also known as the GW Zoo. Uh, and Joe Exotic has made his career uh, around, you know, the sale uh, as, as well as the, um, uh, I guess, um, entertainment surrounding cubs and um, big cats. Uh, and and this, this story sort of follows uh, Joe Exotic's um, experience with the zoo and, and the different uh, pitfalls of, of owning a zoo and, and you know, working in a, in a field of animal legality that's really obscure. But essentially, um, there's a major conflict between Joe and a woman named Carol Baskin, who has um, been sworn as his mortal enemy. And Carol works to conserve uh, these big cats and to help them uh, rehabilitate, uh, but does not sell them and does not profit from them, apparently. Whereas Joe uh, is not shy about admitting that his animal park is a zoo and it's there for entertainment of the public and to make money. Um, and they clash over a number of different issues um, and eventually end up in court in a long drawn out court battle. So the story just follows what occurs during that time and, and all of the, the different uh, aspects of that. Okay. Thoughts, opinions. I think one one thing about it that surprised me was just how kind of unfathomable the whole story was. Like I didn't, I I I think in a way I sort of I I guess I was aware that there was some sort of private ownership of tigers going on in the U.S. I was just very surprised to hear that um, just how much corruption and how many kind of crazy people are kind of all tied up in it um and that's kind of one of the biggest kind of biggest more general things i learned from watching the documentary uh do y'all think that the documentary's main focus was on the actual tigers or do you think they got kind of carried away by the craziness of joe's antics and carol baskin's uh husband um what do y'all what is y'all opinion on like the actual integrity of the documentary? I thought, I think it started out his intention because I really liked how it started out with uh, directors. They were going to do a story on snakes, like just exotic pet ownerships. And they were in Florida. And then there's that snow leopard in someone's van. And then I think they just happened upon this crazy group of characters. And I feel like if, if I was making it and I was setting out to do something on exotic cats, but all these characters, like, he, I feel like they had to follow this insane story. So I feel like they, they remained integrity. Like, they, they kept their integrity, but I definitely don't think it was about big cats. Yeah, I agree. See, I kind of came into this documentary thinking it was going to follow, be more based on the actual quality of life of the tigers. And I sort of felt like 
I sort of felt like it kind of got sucked into this black hole of just like all these crazy cast of characters and um but definitely I understand like why the directors would want to follow that story and want to follow Joe Exotic's life and like even just like following him on the campaign trail like I understand um that the story might have you know evolved and changed over time like it didn't start off the way that they expected it was going to start off um one of the things i would argue because like i I, at the end of the documentary they had the campaign manager um and they had a a a soundbite from the interview with the campaign manager towards the end of the series where he was saying um like it it started out as a this whole the whole battle between carol baskin and joe exotic about um about who was right, who was taking better care of the tigers and everything. He, he said it started out as a war over, um, keep, you know, over, you know, taking care of these, of these wild animals who are in captivity. And he said that it, as, as the years went on in their kind of feud, um, the feud got less about what to do with the tigers and more about how to take down the other person. And he, he said that they spent millions of dollars trying to take each other down and they lost sight of what was really important, which was, um, which was these exotic animals and exotic cats. And so I think, uh, that's, I think that was kind of one of the points of the documentary was that you get so tied up in the people and in the characters that you kind of lose sight of actually important. I think the documentary did a good job of that. Yeah, that's an interesting thought, Will. And, and it's interesting how, you know, kind of going back to what McKenna said about, um, you know, the way in which this wacky cast of characters just kind of showed up on the scene and there was sort of little attention paid to the actual tigers. Uh, there was a Wondery podcast that came out a couple months before the release of the Netflix uh, uh, series. And like Joe Exotic was depicted as being a, a kind of evil character. Like he was, the, he was like the anti-hero almost. Whereas I think the depiction of him in the Netflix documentary is almost more sympathetic. Like you almost kind of feel bad for him. Um, and you kind of dislike the other characters without really uh, paying attention to the fact that, I mean, the reality was he was likely abusing animals. He had killed animals and, and he had said some like pretty, <laughs> pretty psych, psychotic things, you know, some, some, some things that generally aren't acceptable as far as, uh, you know, general speech, let alone put out on the internet or in a show. So I definitely thought the perception of him from, from the documentary was different than what I observed before. And it was interesting how people reacted to the documentary. So a lot, you were right, you're completely right when you say that a lot of people were surprisingly sympathetic towards him. And you know who he kind of reminds me of? He reminds me of like Michael Scott from The Office. Like he has that sort of like weird um, kind of you never know what he's about to say, like type persona. And I think I find it interesting how much hate that Carol Baskin got. And I think that she too was also almost portrayed as a kind of like a entertainment character. Like I feel like she was portrayed um, as like the crazy PETA loving um, animal rights activist person um, just by like even the way they filmed her. Like a scene that kind of replayed a lot throughout the series was like her riding her bike and her blonde hair like flowing in the wind and her flower crown. Like whenever I watched that scene, in my mind, I thought of her as like a joke, as a stereotype. 
And so I think it's interesting how people grew to hate her so fast. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with the way she was portrayed and her, like, personality. Yeah, one of the big, like, things that I noticed of people's reactions after this, because everybody's watching this, we're all in quarantine, and then, like, Twitter's just exploding with everybody's thoughts, like, Free Joe Exotic, Carol Baskin definitely killed her husband. Like, there's a song on TikTok that people are doing dances to that's, like, Carol Baskin killed her husband. Um, But I'm just confused how Doc kind of got away. Like, nobody's talking about him. Nothing's happened. And he's running a cult. It's super creepy. And yet, I feel like he's gotten, like, zero attention because Carol and Joe are such characters. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think for some reason, one reason why he's kind of slid by is... um, like, when you're, when they interviewed him, he wasn't, like, super crazy, and he wasn't, like, blabbering about and, like, saying, like, I'm gonna kill that bitch, like, no, like, he, he kind of remains very calm and, um, on his, like, interviews, and so even though, like, he, you know, definitely, he is, like, a crazy character, and, like, the fact that he does have, like, a lot of wives and a lot of young women following him, and, um, like, pretty much his zoo is, like, a cult, because he remains so neutral compared to, like, the other people that the, that Eric Good, the director, interviewed, um, I think that that's the reason why he got away with not a lot of backlash. I just went on Twitter and looked up a uh, hashtag Tiger King because I just wanted to see what people were talking about or if there's anything worth mentioning. Um, and there's a photo of this person who has uh, on their door a piece of paper that says, did Carol Baskin kill her husband? And then below that, there's one piece of paper that says yes and one piece of paper that says no. And so when delivery drivers come to the door, they either place the package uh, next to the, <laughs> the yes piece of paper or the no piece of paper. So I just thought that was pretty funny. I can, I can send you guys that, but um, continue on. Well, this, I decorated my Easter eggs like them. I like drew on them with Sharpie markers and I made, I named them Joe Exotic and Doc Omelette and Carol Bass. <laughs> One of the things I noticed in the documentary, I guess kind of, uh, counter to everything was like um, obviously I, I I guess they in some ways they did paint Joe Exotic in kind of a sympathetic light but I would also argue that the, the documentary did a really good job of showing that um, that especially in the world of of private tiger zoos and everything like that in that kind of world there isn't there aren't really any good guys and there aren't really any guys like they they showed Carol Baskin, while she's a, um, while she's, while she's all about animal rights and everything, they, they kind of showed her, her um, big cat rescue spot in Florida as, as kind of being a thinly veiled, um, basically a, 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 her kind of ti- private tiger zoo, rather than, um, rather than showing it as like this great big thing that's totally different than Joe Exotic's place in Oklahoma. Um, and so one of the things I think the, the documentary did well was that there, it, there's not really any good guys or bad guys in this feud between Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin. Everybody, everybody has kind of their own faults and everybody is kind of corrupt in their own way. 
Um, and so I guess the, the documentary, at, when the documentary finally concluded with Joe going to prison and everything, um, I think it was kind of less a commentary on who was the good guy and who the bad guy was and more commentary on like who ultimately will win in the end being like the lesser of two evils, I guess. So who do you guys think burnt down the snake enclosure or the studio, I should say? Joe. Oh, Joe. Joe, 100%. 1,000%. For sure. Yeah, I agree with that. (laughs) I think there's no way that that's just like, I mean, they they talked about how there was like, it was an arson, but I, I feel like that's a, that's a huge risk to take just to burn down like something that doesn't even have many animals in it, you know? And, and I don't know, it just doesn't seem right that an animal activist would kill a bunch of snakes just to like send a message. Yeah, and, and he got mad with the reality TV producers and that's where all their footage was. So I don't know who else would have a bigger motive than just burning all of the reality TV show footage. So I, I always, throughout the, the series, I found myself like, um, really like I think that you know you talked about someone I think was that McKenna who just talked about how there or maybe you Addy like there are no good characters or maybe it was well I don't recall but um how there are no good characters and how how like Carol Baskin, Doc Antle and um Joe are kind of all evil in and of themselves but I thought that the the employees who like the original employees who worked at the park I, I I really felt like they were like they were the good the good guys so to speak they were the ones who were you know really caring for the animals and the ones who you could tell were like visibly upset by the fact that they didn't have enough food to feed the tigers and you know um uh the uh they had keeper eric cowie like there's one there's one time where he's kind of walking around the zoo after joe leaves and he doesn't have enough to feed the bears and stuff and and that was actually a really sad scene um for him and the animals i think yeah and the fact that joe's employees would like eat the meat that they got, the expired meat that they got from Walmart because they didn't get paid enough. Like, that was heartbreaking. And just the fact that Sab would go back to work after getting his arm essentially just, like, eaten by a tiger is, like, incredible to me. And the fact that he chose to go back, to be released from the hospital early, and, um, you know, he chose this life because he loved the tigers so much. And um that to me is wild because I know as soon as if I like lost an arm because of a job like there's no way that I would ever go back to or step back into that zoo um so it's interesting do you all think that they stayed for the tigers or do you think that um just out of love for the tigers or do you think there was some sort of like psychological like attach attachment to like the status symbol of holding a tiger or do you think it was like kind of like a family atmosphere like they were all misfits who came together and um ran this zoo like why do you think they stayed i think it was a little bit of of all of that but i think particularly they came back uh because they loved the tigers so much and because they wanted to continue to care for the tigers um they had a uh they had like a uh, a post a po- they had like a post documentary Netflix special where they were interviewing um, all the characters from the documentary and, every- and everything and like catching up to them and stuff. And the one they interviewed was Sab, who was the, the guy who was arm ripped off by the tiger. 
and Saf said, yeah, I didn't, I didn't go back to work because I, because I, because I was crazy or because I loved Joe Exotic so much. I, he said, I went back to work because I knew if I didn't, then that would bring, uh, that would look bad for the zoo, which would ultimately um, put the tigers into harm and not, and um, not necessarily Joe Exotic, but the tigers would poorly if I didn't go back to work. So, um, so I, I think ultimately the, the workers uh, valued the, the lives of the tigers most out of, out of anything at the, at the park. And I agree that they valued the tigers' lives. And I think that was true for all of them, except for, I guess it was the manager, John Ranke, because there was that scene kind of in the end after um, Joe is convicted of uh, attempted murder. And um, he's like really upset, you know, he like leaves the courthouse and he's kind of, he's sad and, and he's like, you know, but I, I, I felt that that was, and that was really the only time that, I mean, someone actually felt kind of um, sympathetic towards Joe for any reason that was actually like authentic. You know, I think he was friends with Jeff because Jeff wanted to take over his zoo and, you know, he's friends with Doc because he sells him tigers and, um, you know, whatever it is, you know, a lot of the other employees too, uh, were only there because he gave them an opportunity, found them at the bus stop, whatever it was. Um, but I, it was, it was really interesting to see like John Rinky, who is a really, I think, um, like stoic character get, get really upset and, and really distraught by the fact that Joe went to prison. Yeah. Um, going back to the episode where Saf has his arm bitten off, one of the most bizarre moments of the entire show is when Joe goes back into the gift shop and says, so someone's arm just got bitten off. You can get a refund. You can come back another day. I just want to know if you guys were in his gift shop and this crazy guy with a mullet comes in and says that someone's arm just got bitten off by a tiger. Like, what would your reaction be? Would you, like, take a refund and plan to come back another day? That was just so bizarre. I, I feel like my reaction would be the exact same reaction that all of the customers had. Like, they were just like, I feel like they were just shocked. Like, how do you respond to something like that? Like, I, I feel like I would just be like, is this even real? Um, how, yeah, how did this happen? But um, I honestly, I don't know. I, I feel like I would have like a hard time going back, going to a place like that in general, especially after seeing the documentary, like, but I feel like I might, if I, if I didn't know what I know now, I probably would have gone back just out of curiosity. I also thought it was interesting, too, because when he runs back into the gift shop, he also changes into, like, the EMT bomber jacket <laughs> and then goes back out to help. So I thought, I mean, that was just, that was just so good. That was just perfect. What did y'all think it's of uh, Joe's country music videos because I feel like Joe Joe really was like an entertainer really surprisingly good I thought the music was like surprisingly good he didn't write it or yeah. sing it oh really <laughs> okay yeah. well, he, that makes sense he, he didn't sing it I I thought he sang it because I was like dang like Joe Exotic you're kind of you're kind of nuts but I don't yeah. even bother with that zoo stuff anymore it's just like get it start singing I yeah, saw Tigers with a good song <laughs> I agree. I agree. That's funny. Have y'all, did y'all ever hear of Joe Exotic before this documentary? Because he did, he kind of was like this internet personality and I had never heard of him at all. 
It's funny. Um, I'd never heard of him. Uh, and I'd like, I'd, I'd never listened because I know there were like podcasts that came out about Joe Exotic before Tiger King came out. I'd never heard of him, but my aunt, um, my aunt was taking my cousin like a long, 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 long time ago. My aunt was taking my cousin and my cousin's friend when they were real little and they were driving through Oklahoma once. They were going to California, I think. And for some reason they, they went, they went through the town that um, Joe Exotic's park was at. And they were like, you know what, let's stop and look at some tigers, I guess. And my aunt, and this was long before any of this, any, like this is, you know, years and years and years ago. She was like, I, I will never go back there. That's my weird connection with park, I guess, outside of watching the documentary. So there are a number of times where like Joe is wearing UT merch. I, I guess you could say. Um, and so I kind of wanted to know what that was all about. Um, and apparently Joe's newest husband, Dylan, uh, is a <laughs> alumnus of the University of Texas at Austin. No. So, yeah. What, what was his major? I don't know. I'm trying to find it. Let me look. <laughs> <laughs> I am staying. I watched the whole series with my aunts and one of my aunts went to A&M. And so as soon as uh, he started sporting UT gear, it was like, well, look who went to your school or look who else is a Longhorn fan. So I, <laughs> for the end of that. That's funny. Yeah. What do you think? The, sorry. sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. The zoo's in Texas now, right? Did Jeff, they ever finish that? I think so. Because the guy with the monkey on his chest, the whole movie, <laughs> left do you remember he's like i'm taking all my animals and then he took off <laughs> so i'm trying i'm trying to figure it out oh here's an article is tiger king's gw zoo still open road trip <laughs> <laughs> it's still open for business apparently that's wild this are in oklahoma yeah i think it's still in the same place oh geez oh maybe not maybe not um uh, did y'all want to talk about um, Joe's husbands and like kind of that his relationships? Yeah, there's a lot to talk about there. Yeah, um, and it's kind of a it's a little bit takes kind of a darker toll mm -hmm. than like our previous conversations because I do feel like Joe definitely did a lot of damage to a lot of people's lives, and so. Um, I feel like that's kind of a reoccurring theme with these like zookeepers is I feel like they somehow manage to attract these like young, naive uh, people. Like both of his husbands, like uh, Travis and John Finlay, both of them started dating or started dating um, exotic when they were 19 years old and so I just definitely think that like there were a lot of like problems where I feel like Joe definitely used his money and his tigers to sort of trap these young boys into a relationship. One of the things that was re revealed later on in the documentary was that both of Joe's husbands, neither of Joe's husbands were, were gay, they were both straight and um 
and particularly with Travis, the only reason Travis was sticking around with Joe was because Joe supplied him with drugs. And then in turn, Travis um, stuck around with Joe and was just, you know, being his husband and living at the park. So I, I think it was particularly uh, tragic and really sad that, um, that Joe Exotic kind of went through all these extensive me- measures to, to manipulate his husbands and to make sure that they would kind of stay within his little realm without ever leaving it. And it's kind of, it's symbolic almost. It's like Joe Exotic not only kept, you know, animals in cages, but he kept people in them too. And he like used his money and his power and his um, influence to just like pretty much trap these young men who, you know, they didn't know where they were going in their lives and they didn't know exactly what they wanted. And they ended up kind of stuck on this zoo um, for the sole purpose of pleasuring, providing comfort for this man. Yeah, the the only reason I was, like, glad I watched the bonus episode, just because it was kind of cheesy and didn't really add that much to the series, but it was really, like, great to see that John Finley, he got, like, new teeth, and he said that he'd been clean off meth for, like, six years, like, as soon as his daughter was born, and so I was really glad that even though Travis had such a tragic ending that, like, John, after all of this, is still able to, like, continue on with his life yeah i think i think it's interesting like especially i mean you know how how soon after um travis's death joe found like a new lover i think that that sort of speaks to his personality and how dependent he is on others um and again i mean talking about sort of more symbolism the idea that joe is dependent upon someone else to like sort of fulfill his needs is is also kind of interesting because he himself has to care for and, and fulfill the needs of, of, you know, 200 and some odd tigers. So it's interesting that, you know, like he can live off of Walmart meat and he can live out in Winniewood, Oklahoma and have, have, you know, no issue with survival, but he like is, is desperate for company and love. And that's, that's, it's, a, it's pretty sad, you know, it's, it's pretty unfortunate. But I also feel like Joe definitely, you know, he has problems where, I feel like he becomes super attached to someone or something and then he's so easily able to like move on and that bothered me a lot. It's kind of like when they breeded the tigers. It's like the tigers really only had value to them when they were these cute little cubs that they could, um, you know, profit off of. And then as soon as they grew into these adult tigers, like they almost became a burden where it was like they, they became a financial burden. And, um, like, it's just, I was really surprised at how quickly, um, Joe was able to move on. And I just feel like that speaks a lot to like his relationships and how he looks at the world is it's like, I feel like he, he takes from the people around him. And as soon as like they're gone or as soon as they don't like satisfy him anymore, it's like, he's looking for something else. He's looking for something newer. And, um, so I definitely, I, I, that is one of my bigger issues with Joe is I, I just feel like he doesn't have relationships, like real genuine relationships with people. It's an exchange. On a less serious note, um, do you guys remember at the funeral when 
uh, Joe not only sings that song, but also, but also says like, he's like, uh, he used to just come up and put his balls in my face at the funeral. Do you remember that? That was insane. I was so like, I watched that with my mother and she, she's like, I would, I would kill someone if they did that at your funeral. I was like, I know. So that was definitely, definitely an interesting aspect of, uh, one of those episodes. I feel like we should just end on like sharing those moments of just insanity that made you all like freak out. Like, how does this exist? How is this a real person? So, like, what was the moment in the show that was like, what is happening? Um, I guess the moment for me where I was like, I was, I, I think right after when, um, when, when Joe, when, well, I mean, I, I believe that he, when, um, when his the studio was burned down, and I believe that Joe did it, obviously. But um, when when the studio was burned down, and when and when I saw that it was like this, this this kind of feud between him and Carol Baskin was turning into like an all-out war. It, it felt like that's when I was like, okay, whoa, this is getting a little bit out of hand. What is it? It just it felt it felt like a little over the top to me. It felt like a little bit too much. Um, and I was, I, what was most shocking about it was like, you know, like this, this kind of, this feud between two people over, over who has the right to have tigers on their land, um, is, is, it's, it's great. The whole feud is crazy. And it, and it also, I found it, um, fascinating that like, despite all this happening, not, nobody had ever heard about this this issue between Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin until the Tiger King, the Tiger King documentary kind of came out and brought all the issues to light and stuff. Can I say another one? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Do you guys have one? I don't mean, I don't want to say two. Um, the part where like the campaign manager is like, it was the worst job in my life <laughs> or something. And then he, and then he talks about, just just the fact that Travis, that whole thing that went down where Travis shot himself in the head and he's like, yeah, don't you know a Ruger won't fire with the clip in it? And then he like shoots himself. That was, that was just shocking. Like that was insane. And watching the, the security camera footage of him just sitting in the chair, like not knowing what to do, you know, that was, I thought that was an interesting inclusion as well. Do you think that um, that was... I don't know. I feel like that was kind of a touchier subject. And I almost was, um, I, I am shocked that they did include that footage. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm shocked that, I'm, I'm, I hope that they definitely got permission from Travis's family before they showed that footage. Because I just, I feel like that was, it was just, it's it's kind of sad because I feel like the show was so bizarre and so wild that you do kind of forget how tragic Travis's life was because of just how crazy it was. Um, but yeah, that was definitely shocking. And I definitely remember thinking like, I can't believe I'm like watching this right now. Yeah. And just to close it off, my most bizarre moment was just any scene with Doc Antle, and especially the ones where he's in the tank top riding his elephant past his like three wives' houses, like whatever that was, that was bizarre. But <laughs> yeah, so this has been uh, the Daily Texan audio staffers' thoughts on Tiger King.
hopefully kept you entertained during quarantine.